Just a quick warning that we will be discussing death, suicide, unhealthy relationship dynamics, abusiveness, and religion. So if you're not in the right headspace for that, maybe just skip these next few episodes. Sparkling ring for every finger I'll put away and hide from view. Thanks for joining us for Kingfisher again. Uh, this song's crazy. It's bonkers. There's so much going on, and we try our best. Um, you know, a good thing about there being 50,000 parts to long <laughs> episodes like this is that you're hearing this, and there's probably still plenty of Kingfisher coming your way in the coming weeks. So send us your thoughts if you disagree with what we're saying or you're like slapping your phone to your face because you're like come on guys it's obvious because what's going you hear on. me reading Corey's email about the musicality <laughs> of it and you're like what is she saying i didn't know either it's okay whatever anything you still have time to send us your voice memos so disagree with us or or not whatever but send us shit and we'll include it in kingfisher episodes that are coming up so you still have time we sure will yes okay thank you for listening you guys we hope that you don't hate our discussion and here it is Okay, should we continue to the next one here? Yeah, let's do that. So she continues to sing. Uh, I can bear a lot, but not that, Paul. Exclamation point. Mm. Kingfisher, sound the alarm. Say, sweet little darling, now come to my arms. Tell me all about the love you left on the farm. And sweet until farm is in quotations um okay thing and i don't know if we mentioned this last time this is an email from basha again and basha had said i think we mentioned this already too um belted kingfishers make a sound known as a rattle when flying around for fish and staking territory this could be the alarm that joanna mentions they're not very big birds but their beaks are relatively large for their size and sharp for hunting sometimes they catch prey too big to swallow right away so they'll hold it in their beak and beat it against a tree stone or whatever's available to kill the prey and make it easier to eat i've wondered if this inspires some of the violence of the song especially towards the end and of course um, that female kingfishers have this distinct look one would suggest a look of power usually reserved for male birds that also feels significant um yep agree agree 
hard agree. I think that there's something I'm missing about kingfishers because when I looked up kingfisher alarm on Google today and like kingfisher Mm. warning, I got like very basic stuff about like, yes, kingfishers make like a ha 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 sound, like the kookaburra, like laughy sound. Um, And that's like can serve as a warning because they're very territorial. So it can serve as a warning for other birds. But I don't know. Nothing seemed to like really, really fit. But I also saw that like if you just look up kingfisher alarm, there's a company called Kingfisher Alarms that just sells Mm. like these alarms. And so I'm like, are kingfishers notoriously like good at providing this warning? But I couldn't find anything like that. So I I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) At allaboutbirds.org. Uh, they tell us, which seems like a legitimate <laughs> website, <laughs> that male and female belted kingfishers give strident mechanical rattles in response to the slightest disturbance. Mm. When threatened, they may give screams, which males sometimes combine with harsh calls. Okay. So I don't know. It seems like then they're always talking. They always have something to say. Yeah. I have a very basic question, too. Mm. If it's about birds, I don't think I'll have an answer <laughs> for you. No, it's about this song. Uh, oh, I probably still don't have it. <laughs> Do you? Is is she? When she says kingfisher, sound the alarm. Is she calling him a kingfisher? Or is she talking to somebody else, being like, this guy is not doing it. Somebody else, Kingfisher, sound the alarm because I need to escape from this guy. What's happening? It's a great question, Nikki. It's like that with the TikTok. It's like, I really appreciate your question. Thank you so much for asking it. I really appreciate it. (laughs) I haven't seen that. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Uh, Kingfisher is capitalized, which I don't know if that means anything. Okay. Mm, Let's sort this out. Okay. We repeat... I can bear a lot, but not that, Paul. I love that this time it's with an exclamation mark because mm-hmm. to me it gives the impression of in the previous verse she like has this sort of calm realization. She's like, it looks like I can bear a lot, but not that, Paul. And then she's like, wait, I can bear a lot, but not that, Paul. That means I should do something. It means I should get out. Yeah, <laughs> it does kind of seem like a like a burn to action. I don't know if that's a word at all. Let's take let's let's go with it. Um <laughs> burn to action. Uh and the music does the same thing, right? It sort of like gets bigger and louder. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Um uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> We've got it. I can bear a lot, but not that, Paul. So, like, <laughs> it's funny to think of it as, like, P-A-U-L. <laughs> but not that, Paul. Like, this Paul This one's is bad. Fine. Yeah, this is a bad Paul. Um, 
I don't know. In my head, and like just, I don't, I don't know what's happening in this song. But in my head, it's that she comes to this realization that she can't take it anymore. And then she's like, oh my God, that means I have to leave. Um, Mm. And so she's like, I can bear a lot, but not that Paul. Okay. Like, I guess that means I have to spring into action now. I guess that means we should sound the alarms. I guess that means like, like action. And again, in my very limited understanding, this next part where she says, say, sweet little darling, I come to my arms, tell me all about the love you left on the farm. The stuff that's in quotation marks there makes me so think of no provenance where Mm. like, you know how she was like finding comfort and solace and like sleepiness and like not really dealing with the shit she needed to deal with in the like in your arms, like droney, like um, just like in your arms, your Mm -hmm. arms, I'm safe and warm in your arms and your arms. Like it makes me think that she's like she realizes she has to leave. She realizes that that. We should be sounding the alarms. And then she's like, no, no, no. Like one last desperate attempt to like, can you just say to me, like, like, can you just like comfort me, comfort me back into this place of like, of being safe and warm in your arms and tell me about the love on the farm. Again, farm from, from no provenance. We talked about barns there at least and horses and stuff. I don't know. So that's my interpretation is that she like, for a second has this realization that she needs to do something about it. And then as soon as she's like, okay, sound the alarm. We have to get out. She's like, oh, but that's so scary still. That's so scary. Like, let's take it back a step. Yeah. Like, let's forget all of that is happening. Here's what you need to say to keep me here. Yeah. Um, Because you're exactly right. It is say, um, like you're trying to teach or coach someone something. Yeah. And the line from No Providence, too, is you burned me like a barn. I burned safe and warm in your arms. Yeah. So if we're saying that the fire takes place on a farm and that's where we are burning, that's not necessarily, like, um, a good place to go back to. Um, no. Even if it was maybe comfortable, it's not necessarily safe. Right. And I thought it was really interesting, too, that She's not saying, tell me all about the love that like you experienced on the farm or that like was there on the farm, but that you left Mm -hmm. on the farm. And that makes me think of what we talked about in No Provenance song where she, this part of herself woke up and like sort of saw that she had, you know, put a part of herself to sleep for a really long time. And so in my head, that's like sort of where she left that's like where she left her love for him in this one iteration that she experienced it. So like this one, like, I don't know that there was something about the waking up that happened in no provenance that like forever changed the love that she had and the relationship she had with this person. And, Mm -hmm. and that's what explains her describing it as having left that love on the farm. I don't know. No, I like that a lot. I'm stuck on Kingfisher sound the alarm still. Yeah, that's very fair. I I have I've tried. I can't figure out anything. Is it just like a general plea to whomever? 
Or is it like an inner alarm? Like, oh shit, okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know either. Okay. <sighs> okay, who are we talking about in this next verse? I don't fucking know. <laughs> this song is difficult. Okay, the next verse she sings, He was a kind, unhurried man with a heavy lip and a steady hand, but he loved me just like a little child, semicolon. A little child loves a little lamb. And sorry, actually, I think she sings it where the like is quiet there, but in the lyrics that I'm looking at, it says, he loved me just like a little child, semicolon, like a little child loves a little lamb. Mm. Which I think makes a difference, maybe. Do you get Lolita vibes with this? Yeah, yeah, totally I do. Um, I want to say it was Lee's on the Facebook group, what feels like years ago now, but whenever I asked, help me with Kingfisher, people were really helpful. And I think, I think it was Lee's who had said that there's this, she had like pointed to this like duality, this sort of double meaning of on the one hand, Lolita vibes with the, he loved me like a child, but then because in the next line she says like a little child loves a little lamb mm. there's this question of like so um does he love her as though she were a child or did he love her the way a child loves something and that last line makes it sound like the latter uh like he had this childlike love himself i don't know what do you think He loved me just like a little child, like a little child loves. I mean, I feel like it's speaking to some like broader innocence, um, like a simpler kind of love, a more simple yeah. kind of love. Um, but that also, who are we talking about? I don't know. Well, because cause the last thing she said is, tell me all about the love you left on the farm. So I was or, I, like that. She's asking Kingfisher to say, tell me all about the love you left on the farm. So I was wondering if this verse is now her doing that telling. Is she mm. telling about the love that she left on the farm by saying like, okay, he was a kind and hurried man, but here was the problem. I don't know. I don't know what we're talking about. So is it referencing like, as adults, we know the fate that lambs have on a farm and it's not a pretty one but as a child you wouldn't know something like that like it's it's innocent in that way um i don't know okay i'm gonna read this poem that katie suggested in their email Mm. um and it is called the lamb by william blake it's quite short Mm. and it goes Uh, Little lamb, who made thee? Dost thou know who made thee? Gave thee life and bid thee feed by the stream and o'er the mead. Gave thee clothing of delight, softest clothing, woolly bright. So cute. (laughs) Woolly bright. Gave thee such a tender voice, making all the veils rejoice. Little lamb, who made thee? Dost thou know who made thee? Um... Little lamb, I'll tell thee, little lamb, I'll tell thee, he is called by thy name, 
for he calls himself a lamb. He is meek and he is mild. He became a little child. Mm. I a child and thou a lamb. We are called by his name. Little lamb, God bless thee. Little lamb, God bless thee. I think the second verse is what Katie was referencing most. Um, He calls himself a lamb. He is meek and he is mild. And I feel like that brings in some of the shyness we were talking about Mm. earlier, but then also made me wonder, and I know absolutely nothing about this, but just did a quick Google on the lamb of God. Yes. Do you have stuff on that too? I have a paragraph that's a cool. Short what do paragraph. you have? Um, so I have that in Christianity, the lamb represents Christ as both suffering and triumphant. It is typically a sacrificial animal and may also symbolize gentleness, innocence, and purity. When depicted with the lion, the pair can mean a state of paradise. In addition, the lamb symbolizes sweetness, forgiveness, and meekness. <laughs> That's all. <Okay>. I <laughs> yeah. So it's like this duality of um, both innocence, but also violence. Yeah, also this sacrifice. So I think the idea is that okay. like Jesus Jesus is here and like he's a, a, an innocent, like good thing, a good person, a pure person. Um, but also there's this like uh, ever present uh, theme, I guess, of like sacrifice in mm. Jesus's life because we know that he like sacrifices himself for our sins or whatever. And, um, just like a lamb would be sacrificed, but you, because yeah, like lambs to the slaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's like also this like element of fate there, I think too, of this inevitability of like this little lamb is cute and innocent right now and symbolizes just being gentle and meek and pure and good. But like, also we know about the killing. Yeah. We know the ending to that story. Yeah. <sighs> If this quote from St. Augustine, because I was trying to get why are we referencing lambs? And this is uh, why a lamb in his passion, because he underwent death without being guilty of any inequity. Mm. Why a lion in his passion, because in being slain, he slew death. Why a lamb in his resurrection, because his innocence is everlasting. Why a lion in his resurrection, because everlasting is also his might. I don't know how that ties in here, but I wanted to say something about innocence. But also that, like, the innocence of our partner here and of our narrator are not everlasting in the same way. Like, um, especially with this realization and sounding the alarm in the last few verses here. Um, I... Don't know. Um, I was thinking that like there could still be this theme of the narrator thinking of the partner as being innocent here, and like back to our conversation before, like how it could just be his gut that has let led him to um do all the shit that he's done and like get them to where they are, rather than it being some sort of like intentioned plan of mm. his. 
like it was not on principle that this all happened. It was more of an accident. And so like, I don't know, my thoughts on this verse were like, look, if she's saying that the guy loved her in the way that a child loves a lamb, then like, like either way, it's a weird dynamic. So like, mm-hmm. if, if she's being loved in the way that a, chi- a child loves a lamb, um, it makes me think that it's this like pure love. It like is real love and it's, it's, it's untainted and it's real, but also like it's uninformed and impractical and probably not considerate of the other person, like as an agent or as mm-hmm. like having particular needs. It's just like this very primal base feeling mm-hmm. rather than like, yeah, like a human relationship dynamic should be. I'm not sure. No, I really like that. I think that makes a lot of sense and especially speaks to like the immaturity in some way of our, of the partner. Yeah. Um, And just like the deep, deep innocence or lack of like motivation to feel deeper, to feel more, to like dig deeper into that love and you know have more feelings and responsibilities and to like you said treat our narrator like the person she deserves to be treated yeah um because that's not easy and like you know like you said uh, a child loving a lamb is an easy thing lambs are cute lambs are fluffy who doesn't want to hang out with a lamb Right. Um, but And it's a particular kind of love that's, like, I think important, but love is not enough to, like, have a relationship and to function with another adult. Like, you need yeah. other skills yeah, uh, to make that work. Yeah. <sighs> this, too, just in researching this part, I had a good laugh with my sister. We went to, like, a Polish Catholic church off and on growing up and uh, sending her back and forth voice memos of like the chants we used to do. I don't know if chants (laughs) is the right word. Like the father would say like, who takes away the sins of the world? And then us as the participants in church would say, like have mercy on us or (laughs) receive our prayer or something. And just, Give me a good, oh, good God. laugh. As I to, know like, the roles. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I know about? exactly what I'm you're so talking glad. about. It's this weird priest thing where, like, you're not singing, but you're also mm-hmm. not speaking. It's like, na 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 na. It's always like he had, I only had one priest, you know, and he seemed like 150 years old when I started <laughs> going to church. And I'm sure he's still kicking out there somewhere. Yeah. Um, but and their voice was terrible and cracky and yes. like how did you choose this line of work like you think you would have had like yes. a singing lesson or something because it's know. it's not clear to me that what they're doing is singing and then like the whole it's congregation not. responds in this like also weird like yeah yeah chant is a good word it's like a hypno like yeah i don't know i don't know and it doesn't hit any notes like i remember being like have mercy (laughs) on us what i know exactly what you're talking about yeah i don't know what that is 
I don't um, know what it is either. I mean, there's a reason I'm not doing <laughs> that anymore. But, you know, it's a thing. Uh, uh, what does it mean that he has a heavy lip? Uh, so, you know, what this made me think of is that verse in Go Long. I'm just going to pull up the lyrics. Mm. Um, when we were talking about uh, the loneliness of you mighty men with your jaws and fists and guitars and pens and your sugar lips. Interesting. Um, only because it's men- mentioning some of the <clears throat> same things. Yeah. Um, heavy lip to me means someone who speaks roughly. Um, oh, interesting. Like who not necessarily talks a lot of shit, but like who... Uh, is unkind yeah and um, I, I just googled it and that's not a thing but that's the um that's what the feeling that i get um that's interesting i didn't associate it with that but i get why you do just like this like blunt way of addressing people or just like to the point like directness kind of but he was a kind unhurried man with a heavy lip and a steady hand also makes me feel like the words of this person had weight and mm. were maybe very thoughtful and like premeditated. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Especially with the unhurried part. Mm-hmm. He like considered what he was going to say first and was not very verbose about uh, mm-hmm. whatever he was saying. I was picturing it being a heavy lip as in like, like a pouty lip. Like mm. he was a sad guy. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I'm making that up whole cloth. Uh, and like, what did he have a steady hand at? Maybe it was just like generally calm and like l- not excitable in the way that we've seen our narrator be excitable. And like, there are good parts to that and bad. And maybe here she's remembering how that was sometimes good. I don't know. Unhurried is an interesting word to use too. Because unhurried towards what like you know it really gives that vibe to me of like unfeeling at the same time yeah like sure maybe you're kind but like not not as expressive as our narrator needs him to be like not as involved or even present or like uh willing to um you know inflexible in a way is the vibe that i get from that yeah especially in the context of this album where we have seen this dynamic of our narrator seeming to be very hurried and like frenzied and like Mm -hmm. trying to fucking fix everything because the other person's not doing anything and just being like absent and distant and unhurried. And so like unhurried can be a nice thing with, when someone's just being like chill, but when mm-hmm. kingfishers happening, when like volcanoes are exploding and like the album has been heading to this point and the narrator has been saying, look, we're heading towards death and disaster and he's unhurried in that context. Then like, 
there's good parts to being unhurried, but also like it's loaded at this point. It's um, yeah, it's tainted by the rest of everything. Yeah. And I like that point that like now is not the time to be unhurried, but it's also past tense. Yeah. He was a kind unhurried man. We could also, or is it possible that we're not even talking about the partner? Like I don't. Yeah, it totally is possible. Totally. Um, it, uh, in the blessing all the birds article that we referenced before, um, mm-hmm. she talks about how there's this theme, um, in the song and also in the myths and the myths of Avalon, um, stuff that there's this like reoccurrence of, um, these two characters who get like basically reincarnated, but but fate will always have the different versions of them coming together. And like, right. And so it could be that we're talking about a different life entirely, a different couple entirely. Like, I don't, I don't know, but it's certainly possible to me. It also, it makes me think of that Mitch Hedberg joke. You know, I used to do drugs. I, I, <laughs> I still, still do, do, but I but used, I used to, to too. too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, rest in peace Mitch yeah Hedberg. rest in peace and she's like he used to be unhurried <laughs> yeah he still is he but still he used is. to be too to be. <laughs> that's a great reference nikki i love that so much <sighs> <sighs> oh i'm gonna watch that tonight i, I love, love so much. he's so fucking funny oh my god that so is witty and so, so witty. silly so silly so weird but in this way that is like the most endearing presence yeah he's great i used to like replay i think he only has like two or three like official stand-ups and there was one where he was in the middle of telling a joke and then he stopped and was like oh man i'm so high (laughs) you're so funny we know (laughs) oh my god i love that he was super like he's so great because you can tell that he's self-conscious and he's just like open yes. and vulnerable with the audience in a way that I think is rare for stand-up comics to be. He's just very like, oh you guys didn't think that was funny? Like, okay, 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 let me try again. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And just like wouldn't take his sunglasses off and just yeah. Oh man, and there's that joke about like it's okay if you didn't like the set i've drawn an eye an audience on the back of my eyelids and enjoying the set a lot more so like it's fine i love him probably my favorite comedian of all time because he, he has it he's just got it he's got it man he's great and i just i also love like he'd just be so weird sometimes he just like wouldn't like he have his back towards the audience and be telling yeah. jokes that way. I'm like, yeah, you do you, man. That's great. As an anxious person, fuck yes. yeah. If you're not feeling it, like, can you imagine getting oh, so, so, God. so high? I don't even like, and this is just because I'm old now, like getting high and going to the grocery store. Yeah. There's too many things. Yeah. There's too many people. It's overwhelming. You just want it's to stay calm. I yeah. just want to have snacks and like <laughs> listen to chill shit. <laughs> um. Yeah, Mitch Hedberg is great. I love that guy. I want to go watch oh. his stand-up. Yeah. yeah, good reference. It's on YouTube. Uh, okay. <clears throat> okay. I got fuck else 
fuck all else to say about this verse. So okay, that's fine. Let's move on to the next one. If, if you do, if you do, we can certainly stay <laughs> on it. Definitely. Do. Okay. But then, do 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 is Lamb of God, and that's it. Lamb of God. Oh, okay. No, wait. Sorry. In the Blessing All the Birds article, uh, Christina's the author's name, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Christina mentions uh, during the song, the narrator distinguishes between her previous husband. Oh, God. Gorlois? Gorlois? And also, Uther. I don't know. Yeah, okay. okay. So, okay, this is referencing stuff that I didn't read. Okay, so during the song, the narrator distinguishes between her previous husband, Gorlois, and Uther. She describes Glorious as a man with a heavy lip and a steady hand, illustrating the patriarchal stance that he, like a good Christian, took in their marriage. She goes on to describe Glorious's love like a little, like a child who loves a little lamb, portraying the Christian morals of the union as childish and condescending. Ooh, condescending is a good, um, a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I just imagine. Sorry, no. all the good feel, all the big feelings that our narrator is having, and yeah. You know, what were you gonna say? Sorry, just that I like I like the um, word condescending as it applies to both interpretations of the loved me line because on the one hand, if it's like the Lolita kind of love that has sort of been referenced, we've speculated throughout this album that like that's a very condescending kind of love too. Um, but even if it's not, even if it's just the way that a child loves a lamb, there's still this like power dynamic there. There's still this superiority. There's still yes. this condescension. So I think that's a really apt word to describe whatever's happening there. Again, a great article if you haven't read it. Really Take good. A peek. Mm-hmm. This next verse, Sam, has like some of my favorite poetry that she's ever mm-hmm. written. And I also have no idea what's happening. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. We're going with it. We're going with it. Did, do you want to read this one? Um, Sure. Okay. Wow, what a song. All right. Song. So then she sings. Um, Thrown to the ground by something down there. Semicolon. Bitten by the bad air while the clouds tick. Semicolon. Trying to read all the signs, preparing for when the bombs hit, semicolon, hung from the underbelly of the earth while the stars skid away below, gormless and breakless, gravel loose, falling silent as gavels in the snow. Just, mm. what? <laughs> Chef's kiss, so yeah. good. Chef's kiss, but like in the on the most confusing dish you've ever seen in your <laughs> yeah. life. Like it tastes delicious, but what the fuck is in it? I have no idea. No idea, but it works. Whatever it is, yeah, yeah, yes, agreed, 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 agreed. I love the idea of being bitten by bad air, mm. especially within the context of Pompeii, because I can imagine that that's how you would feel as the ash is falling, you're breathing it in, you know, uh, I'm imagining like a sharp, heavy pain in your lungs. So that's just like the most poetic, awful thing I've ever heard. Yes. Um, And to describe that as a bite is like, 
Makes me think and, of the snake too. Oh. Um, but maybe that's because I have a theory coming up. Oh. Okay. No, but keep going. You had a thought, I think. <laughs> the whole thing, like thrown to the ground by something down there. So we don't know what's hitting us. Again, super volcano times in my imagination here. Um, and again, the down there I feel like is is referencing hell in some way. Mm. Like uh, trying to read all the signs. So while the clouds tick, like time is ticking. Those clouds are full of ash. We know it's coming. Trying to read all the signs. Is that like you're finding your way out of something or you're trying, which is like hilarious and awful trying to figure out what this all means while it's happening is like the most Joanna Newsom thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> like analyzing every aspect of the end of the world while these rocks and lava and ash clouds are hitting. Is yeah. Just like, wow. Wow is right. <laughs> wow is right. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, something you said, I just need to take a second to write down something because you made me mm. think of something. One second. So. Oh, I do that constantly. <laughs> my notes are like, don't forget to say this. Um, Preparing for when the bombs hit. Uh, I think someone sent a message on Instagram when I asked how everyone was feeling about Kingfisher and someone had said that like in some interview and I never ended up looking up which one it was, but the Joanna Newsom had said that she was always afraid of nuclear war. Mm. Um, and like, that's like a really interesting perspective to take too, just to have that um, at the back of your mind. Yeah. Also, uh, Katie, who had sent us that email and voice memo, the voice memo, which we're going to play in a future time. I um, guess next time. Yeah. I guess next time. Um, she had mentioned uh, the, I believe she said it was T.S. Eliot, um, his quartet, I want to say, uh, describing bombs falling from the sky in England during World War II mm. um, as it connects to um, to Kingfisher. So we'll just like put a pin in that and come back to it when Katie talks about it because I remember writing down something as she had said that because it's super fascinating yeah um what was your theory okay well it's again kind of david's theory mm -hmm. uh but when david first read this verse he said that to him it made him the thrown to the ground part in particular made him think about snakes hmm. and i was like yeah why and he was like oh because of bible stuff and then i was like oh Perfect. Tell me more because Bible yeah. stuff. <laughs> Please expand. <laughs> yes. So he did. And uh, okay, the explanation is like this. So God punished snakes, which in the Bible were originally described as having wings. And God okay. in the Bible punishes them by taking away their wings and banishing them to the ground um, and the reason that they do that, that God does that to the snakes is because the snake tempted Eve by saying like, Eve, don't you want to eat that fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And Eve was like, yeah, probably. And so then she did. 
and then you know the rest fall from eden but yeah um the idea that like this snake was thrown to the ground by god i know she says by something down there but that was the thing i was just writing uh right now is that i have a theory about what that could mean Mm. so uh because she describes later in this verse hung from the underbelly of the earth so i'm picturing the earth as we can see it as like a sphere as we might like Mm -hmm. see it from space or something and picture like where we'd normally be at the top of the earth and then without changing perspectives like imagine a little human getting transported to the bottom of the earth the underbelly of the earth Mm -hmm. um where then the stars would be down below you Mm -hmm. and so when she says like while the stars skid away below, like when we like normally the stars would be above us, but because we're on the underbelly of the earth, because we're beneath this sphere uh, and surrounded by space on all sides, then the stars would be underneath us. And so maybe <laughs> thrown to the ground by something down there could actually mean something up in the sky or like mm-hmm. from the sky or from space or whatever. So yeah. it could potentially still refer to God or the devil or something. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Beautiful imagery. No, I love that. I love the idea that it is like a punishment in some way. Um, and, you know, I guess we could look at the entire like incidents of Pompeii in the song as some kind of punishment for our narrator or the partner. Um, no, I really like that a lot, though. Yeah, so I actually read that a lot of Christian thought now thinks that Pompeii was a punishment. Pompeii itself was a punishment because it was a pagan city. And so... um, I would think that, though. (laughs) Of course. So because of all this, like, sin that was being committed by these pagans who lived in Pompeii and, like, these, like, orgies and shit that they were having, that God punished them for that but I hadn't even thought of that actually that's super interesting um for the snake part I was just thinking like the reference is to like serpents coiling and uh Mm -hmm. snake pit of snakes from before but I I really like that sorry I'm just reading it all now (laughs) that is so okay I I just I'm really in love with this the poetry here hung from the underbelly yeah gormless i have the definition as lacking attention stupid dull clumsy Mm. gormless and breakless so like clumsy and unable to stop Mm -hmm. gravel loose falling silent as gavels in the snow like the stars are stupid and not able to stop and loses gravel. It makes me think of the universe is getting loose. Like, yes, the universe is getting loose and like the stars are falling everywhere like gravel and it's all too late to put the brakes on or maybe we never could put the brakes on, but like it's, it's coming. It's unstoppable now. Yeah. And the stars are falling silent as gavels in the snow so it's a judgment of some sort is the mm. the interpretation that i took um 
And that ties nicely into the idea that this is like a punishment. Um, hmm. It'll make a note oh. to read more about that. That's super interesting, um, Sam. I didn't even think of the idea that it was a judgment, but you're probably right because of the gavel thing. So it's like this, like, if it's gormless, too, it's like this, um, maybe it's a description of, like, the universe as making these judgments that are not thought out, but, like, that still have these consequences, like, that still have these, like, sort of punishment-like impacts, even though it's not, not, you can't make sense of it because it's gormless and loose as gravel, yeah, and that it's like also the idea that it's loose as gravel is really a cool visual too. Like if you think of throwing a hand of gravel, like the rocks hit wherever they hit, and that's just kind of like the luck of the draw. Yeah, like some days on our Earth you have fucking uh, Vesuvius, Pompeii times. <laughs> sometimes you have awful tsunamis. Sometimes it's a beautiful sunny day or whatever, and that's just the deal with being alive. Yeah. Um, is that there's no no control over those judgments. Yeah. Um, no control and, like, no sense to be made. Like, it feels like yeah. our narrator's finally giving up on the idea that she can just, like, think about it hard enough and then make sense of it, you know? <laughs> it's kind of how we're feeling about <laughs> yeah. this Oh, my too. God. So meta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thrown to the ground by something down there, bitten by the bad air, while the clouds tick, trying to read all the signs, preparing for when the bombs hit. What can you do to prepare for when a bomb hits? Like, it makes me think of the Pliny, the younger account we read in whatever episode, probably one that was. Um, and I feel like I mentioned it, but maybe I just talked about it with you or with. Aiden, but um, the idea that like when uh, Vesuvius Pompeii times were happening, um, people ran into underground shelters like those things existed, but it turned out that those were the most awful places to be mm. because there was no air circulation and people just asphyxiated so quickly. Yes. Um, so in the same vein as like you can't control anything, you can prepare as much as you want, but that doesn't mean that you're able to control any of it, that you're able to have any um, say in the outcome. Yes. Yeah, totally. Like I'm picturing all these like little humans doing all these little human things, like yeah. busying themselves and like trying to do all this stuff, but it's just inevitable um, yeah, I just watched, I want to say the movie's called Melancholia. Have you seen that? Mm, with Kirsten Dunst. Yes, yes. Whom I love um, only because I was obsessed with virgin suicides. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot she was in that. That's right. Yeah, man. But I, uh, I've seen Melancholia, but it was many years ago. What did you think of it? Uh... I had some problems with it, but it was fine. It was watchable. Mm -hmm. um, but it made me think of that because the whole premise, I guess, of a lot of it is that there's this mm, asteroid, this rock, this space rock coming towards Earth. And 
everyone's like, it's probably going to miss Earth, right? And spoiler alert, it doesn't. And like they, (laughs) (laughs) they slowly come to this realization, like that they're all fucked. And one of the sisters in this story, it's like a story of two sisters. One of the sisters just like, is like severely depressed. That's Kristen Dunst. Kirsten, Kirsten, I never know. Um, She's like severely depressed. And so she's much more like accepting of the fact that, that everybody's going to die. But then there's one of the sisters who's like a very anxious sister. She's the one who played the main character in the science of sleep. If anybody has seen that, but yeah, she is like very anxious and she's like doing all this stuff and like trying to make everything perfect. And the other sister's sort of just watching her scurrying about being like, I don't know what you're doing. Like, yes, we're all going to die for sure. There's like nothing you can do about it, even though, you know, you want to. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. That's what I made you think of. And is it that Kirsten Dunn's character is very mm-hmm. accepting of the end of the world? Like it's almost like a hopeful. Thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's what I remember, but it was a long time ago. Yeah. <sighs> And that's another way to prepare too, right? Like um, to have some kind of positive perspective of the end of the world is also a thing you can do to prepare for it. Yeah. Are the clouds ticking like bombs or like clocks? I think both. Yeah. The other thing I found about bad air, Mm -hmm. I just looked up, I think, bad air and... The miasma theory came up. Do you know about this? I don't know. It's so it's an obsolete medical theory that held that diseases such as cholera, chlamydia, or black death were caused by a miasma, which is like pollution. So a noxious form of bad air, also known as night air, which I thought might have been interesting, but I think the idea was just that like sicknesses get spread through like pollution rather than like, cause they didn't know about germs yet. Right. Um, but that's the only thing I found when I looked up, uh, bad air. I don't know if that has any relation here. I just thought I'd mention it. And the idea that you would be bitten by bad air, it seems intentional. Mm-hmm. Bad air, also known as night air. I like that if we're thinking of, as Joanna had said herself, this album as uh, a full day. Yeah. That if the bad air is in the night, um, that that's the end of something. Um, that that's a pollution yes. to the relationship. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, they were close-ish to germs. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, if your air is bad, that's probably not a good thing. Totally. Like, they weren't that far off. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I found, too, for this verse, uh, I just looked up underbelly of the earth because it seemed like such a particular way of phrasing things. Yeah. Yeah. And I found this really cool um, art I guess that was posted on Reddit by somebody like sort of without context in the subreddit. I think it's called like cool maps or something like that. Okay. And it was just a drawing that looked like it had been done a long time ago, but I'm not sure there was no context given. Um, maybe I'll use it for some episode art or something, but um, mm. 
it made me think that this was like a concept people had because there was like Latin all over this drawing. But I couldn't find the source of it. I couldn't find what this person might have been drawing or, or representing or like why they're drawing the underbelly of the earth. Um, so I, I couldn't find anything on that. But when I looked up underbelly of the earth, a bunch of Bible stuff came up. And even though it doesn't quite talk about underbelly of the earth, it's a um, quote from Matthew twelve forty. Uh, that says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Um, which was like talking about when Jesus died, that he was going to be there for right. a long time before he was re resurrected. Uh, so I don't know what to make of that or if it's related at all. But that's the only thing that ever came up when I was looking for underbelly. So if anybody knows anything about underbelly of the earth, let me know. <laughs> it's interesting hung from the underbelly of the earth. Yeah. That's a really weird visual. Hung by who? Mm. <laughs> um, okay, maybe... I'm just visualizing like the flat ground you stand on and having these clouds above you. And maybe the idea is that the clouds are hung oh. from the underbelly of the earth. Interesting. Right, right, right. I don't know. Skid is just a such a specific word, too. It makes it seem like... They're doing it on purpose. It does. And skid also makes me think of like meteors because they have like a skid. I think of breaks. Like there's a tail mm. behind them. Mm -hmm. Meteors, meteorites. Oh. I have a bunch of like this. For some reason, this verse makes me think of a bunch of other shit she's written. So there's the meteor yeah. rights stuff. There's the um, heaven on me. Like I saw the stars fall into the sky. Uh, line there's for brakeless I thought of the engine brakes in yep. baby birch mm -hmm. the falling silent as gavels in the snow made me think of my heart made the sound of snow falling from eaves like referencing like the sound that something would make falling into snow yes we've talked about that like thump yeah <laughs> yeah 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 exactly that for some reason, there's just, like, so many connections I make to other shit she's written here. And it has to be intentional, like, only because I believe it's all connected. <laughs> um, and again, you mentioned, like, the universe is getting loose. Oh, yeah, right. Again, sodden spread from some leaden disuse, rushing unhinged towards diminishing lights. Like a headless caboose is such an apt metaphor mm. here too because I imagine that's how everyone would be feeling at this time, <laughs> right? No matter what you've prepared, how you've prepared, there's no way to not be a headless caboose. Yeah. I'm curious if it's on purpose or not. It would be really cool if it was, if it were on purpose because like the idea that Kingfisher is sort of the culmination of everything that's been happening in the album so far it's like the making sense of or like at least bringing 
to the same table all these different pieces of the puzzle even if they're not totally clear yet or at least you and I Sam are not able to put them together yet the pieces are all here uh that's interesting and genius is no help either right no (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even pull a genius up this time so maybe I shouldn't speak too quickly maybe it is helpful no, the only reference for this verse is this paints imagery of huge clouds, huge clouds of smoke and ash, thick enough to look solid with bits of fiery ash, stars drifting down. Oh no, that's something that the ash and the flames themselves are stars is an interesting. Oh yeah, too. no, that is cool. That is really cool. I spoke too soon. Sorry, genius. I mean, <laughs> there wasn't anything for like anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. Okay. It also just makes me think of that Yeah, Yeah, Yeah song. Tick, 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 tick. Oh, yeah, I love that song. (laughs) There, I don't know. I got an email for the Oshiaga lineup. Uh, I used to live in Montreal and did Oshiaga every year. And the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs are playing Oshiaga this year. And I didn't really know... (laughs) anyone else in the lineup so I was like uh I don't know I have you ever seen <clears throat> have you ever seen the yes oh my god no but I would love to wouldn't that be but cool I would, I would like to see like early 2000s yeah 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 yes like um me too but Karen O is still such a cool performer oh yeah she did this like during the pandemic somehow in the closet, in the closet. yes man yeah. i was yeah. so into With that kid yes yeah, it was sick i was like you're such a cool person yeah she also did this performance for their most recent album i think and she's wearing this like mustard yellow suit mm. um when she does it and i'm just like like who who else <laughs> wears this karen oh like one of the coolest people on the earth she is she's one of the coolest people on the earth she's really really yeah cool. and there's no one else playing that i would go here for mm. when is it the summer yeah it's always like the end of july mm. um but regardless okay anything else about this verse i don't have anything i wish i did there's it feels like there's so much going on and i love this verse but there is there is a lot going on it's probably like the most action-filled sequence yes in this song right yes shit's flying everywhere (laughs) shit is flying everywhere (laughs) i David has this thing that he thinks is so funny um where it's like ongoing joke is I'll be like researching this like stuff, especially for Kingfisher. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. And like 50 times over the last couple of weeks, he's been like, Nikki, it's because there's nothing going on. Like she's fucking with you. Like there's no way to piece it together. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I know it's not true, but he thinks it's very funny to press on that point. Uh... I mean, the idea that, you just like open a dictionary and point to a word <laughs> and like throw a bunch of shit into a song and done is hilarious. <laughs> it's a good joke. And that nothing is connected. Nothing has any meaning. It's all just random. It's also like a really great metaphor. So <laughs> I'm still here for it. Even if that's what she's doing. You're still like, yeah, but that itself would mean something. So yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. Did we do it? I think we did it for tonight at least. Okay. Um, do you want to do goodbyes? Yeah. Okay. That does it for part, who knows, of Kingfisher. Um, for now, we'll be back next week with some more parts of Kingfisher. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an email that you should send us your thoughts and theories and shit to. It's a hopeless endeavor at gmail.com, spelt the American way with no you. We have a Facebook group, a hopeless endeavor, John Newsom podcast. Join us there. It's fun times. We have a Patreon you should check out. Um, I'll link to it in the show notes. There are bonus episodes and early episode releases there. So go look at that if you want to. Sam does an excellent job running our Instagram and replying to your guys' DMs there. It is a hopeless endeavor podcast. Um, Patreon, Gmail, Facebook. Instagram. That's it. Those are the things. things. I think so. Write and review us if you want to. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I mean, I will say that we have great ratings on. (laughs) So maybe don't. Apple Podcasts. (laughs) So, you know, um, I think that's also just because you guys are the best listeners (laughs) ever and very sweet and generous with those stars. Supportive as fuck. Yeah. Uh, well, then, thank you guys for being supportive and kind to us uh, as we stumble our way through these ridiculous songs. Um, <clears throat> okay. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Thank you. Oh.